Roger Franklin Williams, talking old school, was recorded to air at this time. Guys, welcome back to Talking Old School with Roger Franklin Williams. It's great to be with you. It's always awesome to be with you every Saturday night here, right here on the new FM 950. AM 950, FM 94.9, the answer for Talking Old School. Of course, as you know, Talking Old School gives you in-depth interviews with Hall of Famers and legends from back in the day, as well as commentary on contemporary sports from a perspective that honors the old school values of hard work, teamwork, and respect for the game. Have a great show for you tonight. We'll get right into it. We are actually very pleased to be coming to you from the Lake House Bar and Grill in Mount Dora have a special guest and we'll go ahead and introduce him right now one of the greatest running backs in Florida State history he's our co-host tonight obviously of course it's um, he's a former most valuable player of the 1989 Sugar Bowl a first round draft choice of the Miami Dolphins in 1989 in the NFL he played with NFL greats such as Dan Marino and John Elway and for former Super Bowl coaches, Hall of Famer Don Shula and Coach Dan Reeves. He's one of the Apopka Blue Darters football's all-time greats. In fact, he was named National Scholastic Magazine's High School Player of the Year, National High School Player of the Year in 1985. Currently serves as a life coach and team chaplain for Ole Miss football. And he's part of his role is working with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Today he's back in the Apopka area spend a little time with family and friends, and we're happy to have our second part series with co-host Sammy Smith. Sammy Smith, it's great to see you, and thanks for inviting us on Talking Old School up to the Lake House Bar and Grill in Mount Dora. Well, yeah, man, I was super excited about being able to sit next to you face-to-face. It's awesome being able to do the call-ins, even when I'm in Oxford and uh, when I have the opportunity to come home. But, man, I, I want to see your face when I'm talking to you. Thank you. Yeah, I, I still miss miss you being out there in, in Oxford. So uh, it's always great to have you come. And thanks for – I know it's it, 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 it's interesting is, is that so many people want to spend time with you when you come home. I, I know you – I appreciate you spend some time with us. Well, I, I think uh, it's always, again, a pleasure to spend time with you, Roger. And I think this is going to be really special because I get to see a – a lifelong friend of mine today, Marcus O'Dell, and I haven't seen him in quite a few years, but uh, we ran track and, and field together, played football at Apopka, and then to have Curtis Barnes, a dear friend of mine on the line, that's going to chime in here in a little while. So it's just going to be a great opportunity to just engage and uh, to spend some time with you all. So thank you for being willing to come to Mount Dora to do your show this, today. It's awesome, and we'll talk a bit more about that in a little bit later. And, yeah, I do want to let our, our listeners know that uh, you've got two of your excellent friends with us uh, joining us tonight. You mentioned Marcus O'Dell, and, of course, uh, Curtis Barnes is on the phone, and those are guys that you grew up with and you know, played ball with uh, you know, growing up in a pop game. I'm really excited about having them join us as well. Uh, Marcus is here in person. Curtis is on the phone. Before we go to you guys, I want to remind our listeners that our, about our sponsors. Of course, our sponsors are – our presenting sponsor, Christner's Prime Steak and Lobster, Apopka Mower and Equipment Repair, Florida Door Solutions, Glenn Tatum Septic Service, Sheila Auto Repair, Dr. Patrick St. Germain, and our friends over at Network Sound and Video. Now let's go to uh, Sammy. And first of all, I want to get Curtis and Marcus involved here, but, you know, I want to let you know that I mean, I want our listeners to know that you are here, you know, from Oxford, Mississippi. And um, tell us a little bit about, um, you know, uh, the last time we were out here, um, it wasn't too long ago that you were, um, you were, you know, at, right here in Mount Dora with an outstanding organization, Kingdom Impact Sports. I always enjoyed coming over to see you. But in the last couple of years, you've been, uh, had a dramatic uh, turn in your life and career, and you've been in Oxford, Mississippi. And just get, first, tell us a little bit about about uh, you know, what you do now and and uh, how that all came to, came about. Well, I tell you, man, the time really flies. Uh, if we have a football season this year, this will be my fifth year, uh, my fifth football season working with Ole Miss football. And uh, I was blessed to have the opportunity under Coach Freeze 
to to move to Oxford and uh, to navigate my family through that transition. My son was a senior at Mount Dora High School that year, and uh, certainly he didn't want to leave. But God opened the door for us to go there and uh, put me in an element that I'm comfortable with, and that's working alongside football coaches and uh, working alongside football players, and especially at the college level. Um, I think that God has uh, blessed me with an uh, opportunity to have a lot of experiences that really enhances my job and uh, creates an environment that I'm, you know, it's easy to work with and easy to share my journey with these guys. So just thankful that I get to do ministry there, uh, get to help those guys in their spiritual walk, uh, in their in their dreams and goals of, you know, potentially playing professional football. And then also the, uh, the reality that a lot of them won't get the opportunity to do that and to teach them about pursuing uh, their education. And uh, I was blessed this year that I actually just graduated from Ole Miss this spring. I went back to school, uh, got convicted because I hadn't finished my schoolwork at Florida State, leaving a year early to turn pro. So, uh, you know, that was an, a major accomplishment for me, and it just adds to my credibility of, alone, you know, amongst those guys that, man, hey, I'm willing to put in the work, and I'm willing to finish something that I start. Congratulations on that. I know it took a lot of hard work and a big commitment, and congratulations. It's, it's great, exciting news. Thanks for sharing it with us. Yeah, it was, it was hard work. Um, I, I went into it having to take uh, 14 classes, 39 hours of coursework that I was going to have to finish to finish my degree, and uh, just by the grace of God, man, and, you know, I was a little concerned, you know, having been away from school, from the classroom for over 30 years. Mm-hmm. But I got to say, and I give God all the glory and all the honor that in those 14 classes I took, I made all A's. <laughs> so, I, so I made the chancellor's honor roll at Ole Miss uh, two semesters in a row. And, uh, you know, and I know that it was just the grace of God on my life. Well, congratulations. I know it was a, a big lifestyle change, and that's uh, w- wonderful news. And a great example to the young men you work with as well. Well, tell us about, it, about your buddies here. we got Marcus O'Dell here. He's a guy, you, one of your teammates for the Blue Darters on literally one of the most outstanding teams in Apopka Blue Darter history. In fact, uh, the 83 team was uh, the first team to go undefeated uh, and untied through the regular season. And, um, and, and uh, you, guys, you guys ran track. You know, Marcus is a, a football and track athlete at Apopka. And joining us on the phone is Curtis Barnes, who's a guy that you literally grew up with yes. in Apopka. And he's also a former Apopka Blue Darter football player and track athlete. Tell us a little bit about those guys. Well, I think at the end of the day, you know, when you see uh, great accomplishments, whether it be on the football field, on the track, or the basketball court, uh, whatever the case may be, you know, that it's, it's not you that get that done. It's, uh, you know, certainly uh, a compliment of, of God's favor on your life and then, you know, having great people around you. And uh, I can say the gentleman sitting next to me right now, Marcus O'Dell, uh, we ran the 4 by 100 together. He participated in the 100-meter the dash, the 200-meter. You know, he was just a great uh, influence on me. He helped push me, helped me train hard, and uh, I give him credit for me becoming the player that I've, I've, I became as a football player and certainly as a track athlete because of his uh, ability to, to navigate through that tough time and to keep pushing me. And then Curtis, who was, I think, three years, maybe three or four years older than me, lived right across the street from me growing up in Zellwood. And, uh, man, I looked up to him uh, at the time when he was in high school. He was a great decathlete there, um, a great football player, and just to have the opportunity to – to get in the Orange Grove after practice and, and, and train with him and then to sometimes get in, mark off a 100-meter yard dash, 100-meter dash, and to be able to run that with him. Uh, he had a big influence on my track and field career too. So I'm just thankful to have these guys and to know that here some 30-some years later that they are still a part of my life and uh, uh, that we're still able to imp- impact each other's lives. That's awesome. Thanks for sharing that with us, and thanks for inviting those guys to be a part of tonight's Talking Old School mm-hmm. special broadcast um, here in Mount Dora. And um, let's go to Curtis Barnes. Curtis, thank you for joining us. It's, uh, I remember the days when you played for the Blue Darters, and it's great to have you here join us now. Yes, sir. Thank you very much for inviting me. And what can you t- – you know, I know Sammy and I talked a little bit off the air, and, you know, as he just said to our listeners, you were an important part – in his development and growth uh, in becoming an outstanding athlete and an outstanding sprinter in track. Can you just tell us a little bit about what, what, Sam, what it was like growing up with Sammy Smith back in the days, in his younger days there when you guys were kids? 
Oh, we we had a lot of fun. You know, I hear Sammy when he say that uh, I was an influence on on his life, but he was definitely an influence on my life um, because um, I was I would say a one dimensional kind of uh, guy uh, when it came to track and field. I was the Catholic, so I could do all the events. But he specialized in certain events, which was 100 meters and 200 meters. And just to see that, that speed that came out of him for the size that he was, I can't remember exactly how big he was in high school, but it was like he was, it was definitely about 225 or 237 pounds. And he's running the 100 meters, 100 yard dash like it's nothing. You know, I'm just looking at that. And I was amazed at that. And also, like you said, having the opportunity to train with him. You know, we would go out there in the orange groves. And he would put on some big boots, and uh, he he would put the work in. We were right there with each other, you know. Of course, I was uh, a little bit older than he was, but we both learned from each other, which was a fantastic uh, opportunity that I had as a, I would say back then as a young man, you know, just to be around him. And, and I'm I'm hoping he, but I'm hearing he he feels the same way uh, about me as well. So it was it was it was great. Great insights from Curtis Barnes joining us by phone. Let's go back to Marcus Odell, former Apopka Blue Garter football player and track athlete and lifelong friend and teammate and teammate of, of Sammy Smith. Marcus, tell us a bit about that great team that you guys, those great teams you were on in the in the early to mid-'83, 84, Apopka Blue Darters. Um, coach Chip Gerke was the coach, and you guys were just, you, know, you guys were great players. Obviously, Sammy, you know, needs no introduction uh, or, or description about his greatness, but you guys were surrounded by a lot of other great players as well on, on those teams. Can you share a little bit about it with us? Oh, absolutely. I mean, we had we had an offensive line that could line up on Sunday. They used to kind of laugh about it because they were about as big as the – they kept comparing them to the Washington Redskins that year, uh, the Hogs. I think affectionately known as the Hogs back the Hogs. in the day. And, you know, when you got a – I mean, it was it was double trouble when you got a line like that and then you got a big back like Sammy Curtis was right. You know, six, he was 6'3", about 230 pounds coming downhill at you. And Sammy was the type he's either gonna run. He may run around you, but you never knew he may run right over you. So um, it was it was it was a great great feeling being a part of that team because we were actually. I mean, it was we were tight. It was it was a tight team. I mean, everybody. I mean, we got down on some games. We were behind, and we always found a way to come back and win during the regular season. And uh, I attributed that just the teamwork that we had put in. And that comes from you know Chip Gerke and the coaching staff he had in place there at that time. Um, I think had a great impact. I mean, I know it had a great impact on my life um, through many years. My coaching style. And you went in, into co- coaching. Yeah, I you know I you know give credit to Joe Joyner, uh, Chip Gerke. You know, Joe Joyner was the superintendent up in um, up in St. Augustine of uh, that county. For, he just retired a few years ago, uh, but they had a major influence on me and how I coach and how I uh, responded to you know with students and student athletes. Um, you know, to them, they get a lot of the credit for what, you know, my, you know, my accomplishments with kids over the years. So, but also the teammates had great influence on them, on me too. Like Sammy, I mean, Sammy, you know, Sammy talks about, you know, how we influenced him and impacted him. He was, you know, Curtis said it right, hit the nail on the head. Uh, Sammy actually influenced us and had a major impact on us. I mean, he, he motivated us because he was that good. We knew we had to work that hard you know to, to be that much better to, and, and in turn i think we helped him because we we would have we worked extremely hard and of course um you know you also had a great quarterback and a great receiver on that team oh, as yeah. well yeah, rodney yeah, brewer yeah. at quarterback one of the blue darts all-time great quarterbacks and, and a passing quarterback unlike the last yeah. you know most generations at apopka and then also james jones who was a high school all-american wide receiver as yes. well so you guys yep. just really you are had, you know, had a very memorable team that's real fresh in, in, in our minds even today. Yes. I tell you, man, as, as uh, um, Marcus was mentioning uh, Coach Gerke, I thought about Joe Johnson and really just how invested uh, coaches were in the, in the kids that, um, you know, grew up in the Zellwood area, Popka area, Tangerine, Plymouth. And Coach Johnson and his family support my wife now in ministry at Ole Miss. And I just got an email from him a couple of days ago. He's wanting to buy my 13-year-old daughter a pair of the lightest track and field shoes that are available today. And uh, he didn't know I was in town. And I told him, I said, well, we're here. He knows that my daughter was getting involved in track and field. And just to realize that, man, here it is some 30-some years later, 
that he's still investing in young kids, uh, kids that aren't even in a popka anymore. You know, just uh, that just goes to show how community is, and you know, when you come together and you all are are seeking uni- unification and just. Uh, being a blessing to one another, man, how it just travels from generation to generation. So uh, if he's listening out there, Coach Johnson, we love you. And, and that's a great uh, point. We're going to head to our break in just a, a minute or so. But that's a point I want to want to make during the show, and we'll t- maybe talk more about it when we come back from break, is that the, the blessing of the Apopka community, mm-hmm. and Apopka High School specifically, but the, the number of people, adults, who invested themselves in us as kids. And you, know, you lived in a different neighborhood than I did, but, um, and you guys did, but, but in my neighborhood and, you know, the men who created a Popka Little League and, you know, great coaches like Gerke and, 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 and Joe Joyner and, and many other, the Carlton brothers and, and, yep. and, and you know, Virgil Riddle and, yes. and many others, just the absolute commitment that those guys had to young people and helping, helping us as, as kids, you know, grow and have, have a wonderful experience yes. as kids. And that's something that I think is, as I've learned, you know, having other experiences and going other places, it's not that way everywhere. But that's one thing that was a blessing, I think, for all of us to grow up in a Popka. And, and I do want to say a quick word, uh, you know, about my father, of course, who has the outstanding legacy as the longtime principal of Popka High School. But you know, you know, when you mention Chip Gerke and Joe Joyner, he hired both both of those guys. Yes, he hired some it, great it, guys. In fact, it, it was Joyner's first job at a college, and it was Chip Gerke's first head coaching job. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they were both very young guys too. So, anyway, we'll go to a, a break here in just a moment. Before we do, I want to remind everybody about our wonderful sponsors as we're coming to you from the Lake House Bar and Grill in Mount Dora on this special program uh, with our co-host, Sammy Smith. Of course, our presenting sponsor, Christner's Prime Steak and Lobster. A Popka Moore and Equipment Repair. It's where they sell the best and they fix the rest. Florida Door Solutions. Do you have garage door problems? Florida Door Solutions has your solution. Glenn Tatum Septic. Still on the road, serving their customers as an essential business and offering 24-hour emergency service. Sheila Auto Repair. You can trust the guys at Sheila Auto Repair. Dr. Patrick St. Germain and the great people at St. Germain Chiropractic and BurnFatOrlando.com. And of course, Vito and Rhonda over at Network Sound and Video. Please stay with us. We'll be right back with more talking old school from the Lake House Bar and Grill in Mount Dora with co host Sammy Smith. Guys, welcome back to Talking Old School, and welcome back to our special edition of Talking Old School tonight, part two of our series with co-host Sammy Smith, one of the great, outstanding high school athletes to ever come out of the state of Florida, former outstanding, one of the all-time greats at FSU as a running back. In fact, his name is at the top, still at the top, of the rushing of the record book in rushing stats at FSU. Currently, he's working at Ole Miss as life coach and in his duties with the fellowship of christian athletes in the Ole miss football program and we're coming to you from the lake house bar and grill in mount dora we're also pleased to be joined by two lifelong friends and teammates of sammy curtis barnes former football player and track athlete for apopka high school and marcus odell former football player and track athlete for the blue darters we'll go back to the guys in just a moment before we do of course, I want to remind you about our presenting sponsor, Christner's Prime Steak and Lobster, and we'll let you know that Christner's is pleased and happy to be re- back open. Of course, they opened on Tuesday, May the 26th, and they are great. It's, they're gratified to see their loyal, regular customers and many new customers as well. I encourage you to get over and, and see them as well, and you can get your reservation at 407-645-4443. And our program is also sponsored by the great guys over at Apopka Moore and Equipment Repair. Apopka, Northwest Orange County, and Lake County's one-stop headquarters for all your lawn and garden needs and hurricane preparation. Florida Door Solutions. Do you have garage store problems? Florida Door Solutions has your solution. And Glenn Tatum Septic, still on the road, hard at work, and offering 24-hour emergency service. Find out more at tatumseptic.com. Let's go back to Sammy Smith, co-host tonight, and Curtis Barnes and Marcus O'Dell. And you know, Marcus, as you were talking about 
you know, while you guys, as you were talking about growing up in Apopka, the people that had influenced you in your lives, the influence that you guys have had on each other's lives. And um, Marcus going into education, uh, uh, Curtis going into law enforcement, um, your work now, Sammy, with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. You know, it, it, it made me think of, you know, these difficult times we're dealing with now, the, the division that we, we have in our country and the conflict and the violence even uh, as a result of the death of George Floyd uh, at the tragic death at the hands of the police in Minneapolis. And, you know, as we, as we touched on last week on our program, actually the whole show last week, um, talking about how people that are, that are highly motivated to, to try to find solutions and try to find some, some answers that would help us, our country, in, in this situation. I'd like to continue that conversation a little bit right now with you guys because we've got four guys here who have unique perspectives, and, and including myself, and, and four guys who have, exp- have uh, lifelong uh, lives. Uh, you know, the African-American guys, you know, being around white, white guys and, and having great relationships. Uh, the white guys being around African-American, uh, you know, friends, people, and, and having good relationships and coming from a culture uh, where we have a, a largely, mostly, um, you know, mutual respect uh, and, 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 and have benefited fr- from all that. So, Sammy, um, let me just start with you and... Why do you think that we, the nation as a whole, is, is, is this conflict has erupted in the way that it has? Well, well, Roger, as you were speaking, I, I went to thinking that, man, you know, it's not a coincidence that we have the people that are on this call tonight. It's not a coincidence that Marcus O'Dell is sitting here next to me as a, as a Caucasian bro- brother of mine. It's not a coincidence that Curtis Barnes is on the line in, in law enforcement, um, and, of course, Marcus working in education, and, and God opened the door for me to work in ministry. Uh, we talked last week about, you know, a few things, and I know that one of the things that I said, actually two of the things that I said are missing from our country right now and that need to be uh, vital as we seek uh, answers and, and, and seek uh, unity as a country. And that number one was love, that, uh, you know, God's word tells us uh, first and foremost to love him with all our heart, right? And then that second commandment, which is really important, is that we love one another. You know, I'm supposed to care about uh, Marcus O'Dell and what happens to him. He's supposed to be in my prayers. I'm supposed to feel the same way about you, which you know I do. Um, and then and then Curtis, you know, I'm supposed to be concerned with you guys. And I think, you know, when you're able to come together uh, and genuinely have love for one another and genuinely care, uh genuinely be willing to engage in dialogue that uh that's going to lead us toward unity uh then and only then can we accomplish some of the things that prayerfully all of us want to see and that's uh, our country being unified now, i'd like to go to curtis next and he is in law enforcement but for i just want to make a quick comment um and one of the things that we talked about last week i don't want to belabor the point at the moment but um obviously there are people that don't feel like we do and I think one of the problems now that we're since we're having this frank discussion is the national media, for lack of a better term, thrives on conflict and thrives on controversy, and um, so I think that's a part of the part of the problem. And I just you know don't, like I said, I don't want to go off on that tangent right now, but I I do want to you know, put that as something that we all need to to deal with as people who consume media. There's no way we can escape the media. We can choose what we watch or listen to or whatever. But still, and, and one more quick point I'll make about that before we go to Curtis is, and, and, and I'm not making a comment on left or right or this network or this good, this, this network's bad. It, it's just it's just it's just the way the animal is constructed. And I'll use a, a brief example. I was just thinking about the conflict that we're having now and the fire that the, the, the gas that the, the national media puts on the fire. I thought about the, the Spanish-American War. That goes back to 1898. Uh, the man who had the most powerful media outlet at the time, which was uh, the, the New York, I believe, the uh, newspaper, leading paper, newspaper in New York. You know, back in those days, newspapers were like the, the, dry, the, the most powerful media. William Randolph Hearst bragged about the influence that his paper had in starting the war, the Spanish-American War. So I'm just, I just put that out there for perspective. Uh, we need to realize when we're consuming information of any kind, but particularly media, um, you, know, you know, large parts of the national media are, are had their own agenda and that agenda is to drive ratings and profits by 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 highlighting conflict and controversy anyway having said that let's go to uh, curtis barnes and curtis i've got a 
specific question for you, and and, and you, you may agree, you may disagree, but I want to hear your perspective as a law enforcement officer and as an African-American male law enforcement officer. Um, from my perspective, and I've been talking about this literally for years, actually, there is a I'm not 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 from my perspective. Obviously, I think there's a there's a problem between law enforcement in general in America and many members of the African American community, many African American communities. Uh, why do you wh- why why do you think there's this lack of trust? Well, the, the, I think a, a lot of the lack of the trust comes in in, um, in some of the in a lot of the communities because of how. Um, I would say people are being treated in, uh, in, in the community. Um, me being in law enforcement, I've been in here for about close to 20 years. And I've, I've seen a lot, and I've seen other people do a lot. And the things that I've seen, it, uh, it's systemic. It, you know, it's, it's, it's our training that we have. Um, uh, we're, we're not getting trained properly. Our training comes basically because I was a recruiter for about 12 years. And so when I got ready to go out and start recruiting new guys to come onto the agency, the thing was, let's go out and get these guys to come onto our agency, and, and we have to make it appealing to them. And so the way we would make it appealing to them is just like anybody else, you know, things that interest these uh, young people that's coming into law enforcement. And it was, it was a tactical. It was a SWAT team. It was, the, you know, you can take people to jail, you could uh, carry. You can wear all these nice, uh, different types of uh, specialized units, uh, uniforms, and you know to give you these nice cars. Some of the some of the cars are unmarked, but we didn't do a lot of training on community. We didn't do. Um, I was listening to a young lady, and she was she was saying, you know, she said that's all they, that's all um, young people see when they come into law enforcement, how to be tactical, how to take someone to jail. But there was never any training that we would give people of how to interact with people uh, in, in, in community, in different communities. It may not be your community. It could be someone else's community. And I think that we need to do more when it comes to uh, training law enforcement officers when it comes to different communities. Uh, there's nothing wrong with, I mean, I know there's a shortage of law enforcement, but there's nothing wrong with having a, a white officer in the car and a black officer in the car. They can be in separate cars, however it is. But they need to be able to train each other, hold each other accountable when they go into these communities. And we don't have enough of that. And when you don't have that, then you have people that just wants to go in and just like, well, how many people can I arrest? It's, everything is that driven. Okay, how many people can, uh, can I write a ticket today? You know, and if, and if someone takes off and running from me, you know, I'm ready to fight. I'm ready to use everything on my belt to take this person to jail. Versus going into that community, you know, rolling your window down or either getting out of your car and walking and talking with people. You know, we don't do that anymore. That was a, that was a whole thing that you would, you would get out and do that. Now, it's like, no, we never get out of the car. We don't roll our window down. You know, we don't interact with people in, in different communities. And so that's, that's that thing of people just see the police car come by and they say, oh, they're going to man. You know, and that's all they say, they're going to man. But the man would never take the time to stop and communicate with them and get to know who they were. There are bad people in the community. Yes, you're going to have those, but you got to be able to weed those out. But you got to be able to go in there and you got to want to help people. That's the biggest key. It's got to be someone that wants to help. And that's what we need to have more training in. Sammy or, well, or Marcus, well, I, you have a question or comment for Curtis? I mean, I agree 100% with, with Curtis. Um, again, I've known him all my life and I think I mentioned the other day when we were on the show, Roger, that I've got uh, lifelong friends that are um, in law enforcement, uh, whether it be white or, or, or black officers, male, female. And Curtis is one that, uh, man, I know does things the right way, uh, that he loves his communities. He loves the communities that he works in. He respects uh, the people that, um, uh, you know, that he's to look out for you know we, we we look at our law enforcement as people that we can trust to have our best interests in, at heart and uh i know that he is one i mean for him to even come on and be on the show i'm thankful for him and and you know i, I don't hide anything i'm transparent i told you on the last show we absolutely need law enforcement in our country but we need the right law enforcement i'm one that has has been a part of law enforcement i had a case you know that law enforcement came in and they did their job, 
you know, and I'm the first one here to tell you that, man, they did their job. They did what they were supposed to do. And I'm thankful that they did what they were supposed to do because it's gotten me to where I'm at today. You know, so I respect law enforcement. I, I respect uh, people like Curtis and many others that I know that uh, serve our communities well and serve our countries well. And uh, he hit it on the head. I think that there needs to be more active training and be intentional about uh, engaging our officers with the community so that the community can feel comfortable. You know, a community of kids shouldn't feel like when they see law enforcement, they should get afraid or have to hide or run. They should welcome law enforcement when they see them coming. Guys, we're glad you're joining us for tonight's special program on Talking Old School. We're coming to you from Mount Dora, from Lake House Bar and Grill, and our co-host for the second week in the row is FSU great and a popular blue daughter great Sammy Smith. We're also pleased to be joined by two teammates and lifelong friends of Sammy. Curtis Barnes is joining us on the phone now. He's an popular blue darter football and track athlete, former and a current law enforcement officer. And Marcus Odell is joining us. He's a teacher and coach and a former football player and track athlete for Apopka High School. I'd like to go back to, to Curtis Barnes. And Curtis, you know, one of the things I'll ask, I've got, I'll ask you a two-part question. Uh, and it kind of, you know, we touched on this last week with Sammy. As I try to, you know, just from my own experiences and my own perspective, try to see what the what the problems are, um, you know, the ones above the iceberg problems. One is I, I don't think, and I said it last week, and, again, feel free to disagree with me, but law enforcement has done a good job of, of policing themselves. I think the, you know, the, the, the guy in, in, that the, the killed um, uh, George Floyd was a bad cop. I mean, he had a long resume as a bad cop. He had... You know, almost 20 citations for excessive force, if I understand correctly. Um, he should have never even been out there. And, and, I, and, I, and I personally, I think that might be a problem in law enforcement. I wanted to get your thoughts of it, um, of, of, of tolerating, if you will, or protecting their own or, or, or whatever. Secondly, are there some things that, 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 that black community, members of the black community can do to help in this, this um, you know, build in this relationship with law enforcement? Yes, uh, and, and, and that is true. Um, we've been, uh, I mean, it's called, when, when I say, you know, we, we're, we're a tight-knit family. Um, and and we're, we're trained to be that way. Uh, we're built to be that way at all times. And so we, we, have, we have a thing where it doesn't make a difference, you know, what color you are or who you are on, in law enforcement. If we have a we have a certain call that we give out when an officer is in, in serious trouble, uh, it's a life and death situation. We will make that call, and nothing mattered at that time. You could have had a falling out with that person the day before then, but it means absolutely nothing. Once that call goes out, everything goes to the side, and you're there for that officer. And so that's what I mean. We are built like that. So we have a we have a lot of our officers. Who see certain things and won't say anything you know uh, what that is I don't really know how to explain it to tell you uh, when things go wrong you know we kind of somewhat protect each other and I say us everything that I say I say us because I'm law enforcement I'm a part of it but I don't create some of the things that go on I know how to walk away from the situation I know how to uh, if I see something that's being done wrong, I know how to say something. But most of our uh, law enforcement officers, they don't know how to do that, and they and they hold back. And then you see things like you see now with the George Floyd situation. Uh, those officers didn't say anything to him, you know, or you know, just slightly tapping him on the on the shoulder. Some day ease up off of him, you know. Hey, let's pick him up. You know, that's enough. You know, or something like that. We don't have enough of that, and we need it. And uh, it, uh, it, some would say it's, it's easy to do, but once you're in it, uh, we, don't, we don't do a lot of correcting each other out there on the street. We don't know. We, we, we go to class and they teach us how to de-escalate certain situations, but we don't, we don't practice it once we get out there in the field. And uh, we're taught that. They, they tell us, hey, you need to know how to de-escalate your, your partner when he's in a situation, when he's taking it to a higher level and the other person is already at a lower level and how to break it down. We continue, we push forward at times. 
And so um, it's, it's, it's a tough situation. It's a thin line out there. That's why they call it, you know, that's why they say it's a thin blue line out there for us. We, time for our next break. When we come back, we'll pick it up right here with co-host Sammy Smith, Curtis Barnes, and Marcus O'Dell on Talking Old School. I want to remind you before we go to that break, of course, our program is sponsored by the guys over at Sheila Auto Repair. You can trust the guys at Sheila Auto Repair by Dr. Patrick St. Germain, St. Germain Chiropractic, proud to be voted best chiropractor for now 15 years in a row, and Network Sound and Video, where your memories can last forever. We'll be right back on Talking Old School. Please stay with us. Take these broken wings and learn to fly again. Learn to live so free. Guys, welcome back to Talking Old School. We're pleased to be joined by co-host Sammy Smith, former FSU great, former Apopka Blue Garter great, among his many accolades, most valuable player of the 1989 Sugar Bowl. We also former number one draft choice of the Miami Dolphins. I want to. We're also joined by Curtis Barnes, former Apopka Blue Garter football player and track athlete, currently law enforcement officer, and by Marcus O'Dell former Apopka Blue Darter track athlete and football player and current educator and coach. Both of these guys are lifelong friends and teammates of Sammy. Please want to give a shout-out to Sharon Clark tonight, who's here once again helping us with Facebook Live. Thank you, Sharon, and I really always appreciate the great help that you give us on Talking Old School. And, of course, her son, Devon Clark, was an outstanding Apopka Blue Darter football player on this year's uh, tremendous team, and he'll be going to Albany State awesome. to play football and, awesome. and continue his education. I, let's go back, and Curtis Barnes is back. I want to go to Marcus O'Dell with a question or two, but before we do, I want to you know, have one more you know, question or comment for Curtis Barnes. And, and, and Sammy, you had a, a comment for Curtis you'd like to share based on what he, he just said about the, about the culture of law enforcement and, and, and the, the bonds that law enforcement has. Yeah, I just I just was uh, listening to Curtis. I was just reminded of uh, uh, really how football teams are built. You know, they're built to uh, to go out and to compete and to uh, protect each other. Uh, but at the same time, you know, we have uh, uh, things that are in place. You know, to call timeout. You know, when there maybe a player is not doing what he's supposed to do, um, we have accountability. And I think that that's what's lacking. Uh, you know, being in law enforcement, obviously, from what Curtis just said, is a, it's a team. You know, but there has to be some measures in there to where uh, if one of your teammates is uh, uh, getting a little sideways or, or not uh, operating functionally how you've been trained, uh, that, that you can call a timeout, man, and stop that thing and get it right. And uh, uh, I know that Curtis does it the right way. And, uh, there's so many similarities. Like I said, just listen to him talk and, uh, and how we, you know, train and uh, engage our football players to go out and compete. And I'll just throw in one quick thing, too. It's, it, um, in football teams, at some point, if somebody's just flat out not getting the job done and hurting the team, mm-hmm. they get cut. They get cut. They get cut. And I, um, again, just, just thankful. It's, this is what we talked about last week, Roger. It's just the dialogue and. Uh, being able to engage with one another. And uh, I've, I've learned, you know, through trial and just testing that, man, sometimes it's best to not say anything and be a listener. Um, and that's what we're doing here now. You know, sitting here with Marcus and you and, and Curtis on the line, I'm able to listen. I'm able to engage and to gain some perspective. And I think that that's what it's going to take for our community to be willing to do is is to just listen to one another and um you know, view other people's uh, perspectives and their um, experiences and then be able to try to navigate into building, you know, a better community, a better country. I, I have one more question for Marcus, too. We'll go back to in just a second. I do want to mention one thing I mentioned last week, though, 
because I feel very strongly about it. And as I mentioned last week, we won't go into it as depth as I did last week. But as you mentioned, Sammy, with things in your life experience, this comes from my own personal life experience. I've experienced both sides of what I'm about to say right now. And this, this is advice for everybody, every single human listening that can hear me. I, would, I, I want to give you this advice. And it includes African-American males, white males, Asian males, females, uh, anybody of any age. 12 years old or 105, 112. If you are in a situation where you encounter law enforcement, um, and, I, you know, and, and ultimately many people will be in that situation, um, do not get confrontational. Do not, you know, treat the officer with respect, realizing that in some cases, probably a min- minority of the cases, you might not be treated with respect. But, but you treat the officer with respect. The correct answers are, are yes, sir, and no, sir. And do not make the officer feel threatened. Because once the officer feels threatened, once you become disrespectful, things are going to most likely are not going to turn out well. Yes. Anyway, I'll go to Curtis Barnes. And uh, you, you're welcome to comment on what I just said. Or, and I do have a question. From, you know, and it's fascinating, Curtis, to have you could, to get this great inside perspective from, from a law enforcement officer. Um, how big is the gap? And I realize, hopefully, I mean, I would say most likely, Central Florida, Orange County, um, the gap, you know, is not, you don't have the kind of hostility that some areas of the country do, but, but how big is this gap, the trust gap between the African-American community and law enforcement? Well, I mean, it's, um, well, now, I mean, a lot of things are starting to happen now, but I would say, uh, kind of like before now, um, uh, it was there. It's, it's, it's a big gap there. Uh, but I go back to what you just said. You said as far as giving law enforcement respect on the, on the side of the road. And I used to go around and teach a class. And I've taught this class all over the country because they gave, they gave me an opportunity to go around and speak throughout the country. And I've been to, I've been to California, Iowa, Texas, any place that you can name, I've been there. And I talked to him, and one of the things that I talked to him about, when you're out on the side of the road dealing with law enforcement officers, you know, like you said, being respectful for them. I mean, yes, you can say yes, sir, no, sir, you know, or just yes. Just being polite to them, even when they're being mean to them. Because the key is uh, 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 that night is, is uh, not uh, going to jail. And so I tell people, I say, you won't win on the side of the road. And some people will get that now and some people will get that later. But you won't win on the side of the road if you're going to be confrontational with law enforcement officers. Because when people talk about gangs, there's no gang that's bigger than law enforcement. No gang bigger than law enforcement. I don't care what what group you say you're with, but when law enforcement gets involved, your gang is never going to be bigger than mine. So you're not going to win on the side of the road. And so I encourage a lot of uh, young people when I talk to them, be respectful. Yes, sir. No, sir. I say, and if, and if the officer gives you a, a serious problem that that night, just just take that information, get his name, and just go and report it. And we don't have enough of that because a lot of people say, well, I don't want to report it because somebody's going to do anything about it. You have to say, this will happen to me on the side of the road. You know, now it's a standard where. That uh, particular uh, officer's supervisor has to get with them and tell them, hey, we got a complaint on you. And they ask them what happened. And so that person, that officer has to be able to explain what happened on the side of the road. And so that's what we don't have enough of. We don't have enough of people that, that want to complain and that want to tell exactly, you know, someone else of an authority. But uh, that gap that you're talking about is there. Uh, and it's, it's a pretty big gap, you know. Uh, people just normally see law enforcement and they just keep walking. They don't want to deal with them because there's nothing there for them. So they feel like, you know, the police is always trying to rest. And I'll say this real quickly. One of the things I used to really dislike, because I won't use the word hate, but one of the things I used to dislike is when I'm walking in the store and I'm in uniform and then a parent is walking with their child and the child is acting out. And the first thing they do is look at me and say, if you don't correct yourself or you don't behave yourself, I'm going to tell the police right there and he's going to take you to jail. <laughs> what is that doing to that child? What is that really doing to that child? Because when most children, small children, see police officers, they cling toward their parents. Like, ooh, they go to police. 
So if they learn that at a young age, what are you thinking they're learning as a teenager and then when they become adults? They do the same thing. It's in them. They've been raised to be that way. They've been raised to think law enforcement is only there to take you to jail and correct you when you're doing things wrong. They're not there to do anything when you're doing anything nice. You know, say hello to yourself. You got to be in order. It's walk a straight line when you see law enforcement. So that's one of the worst things that I, I would uh, that I used to have a problem with with parents when they would do their children like that. And I hope I hope a lot of parents are listening to what I'm saying right now. Law enforcement officers, we just do not like that because it makes us look bad and it makes us have a situation like what we're having now, unrest. Thank you, Curtis Barnes. Excellent. Got a question for for Marcus O'Dell, teacher and coach. You know, Marcus, as you were talking about your career and. You know, um, as a teacher and a coach, one of the things you mentioned, I think, off air before the show, was you'd actually uh, worked as a coach at Jones High School, yes, which I of did. course is a historically black high school here in, in Orange County, which I think all all of us are real proud of in Orange County. But um, you know, you're obviously a white guy. What was it that led you to, to you know to want to go to Jones High School and, and work at a school that was predominantly black? Well, I mean, I was uh, I had just really kind of gotten into teaching and I was starting to get into coaching and Will Carlton uh, had become the head coach at Jones High School and he knew uh, I was in the system and he knew I was into coaching, starting to get into coaching. And so he got me to come over in there and start coaching. I looked at it as a, a great opportunity. Um, I mean, coming from a popka where I played with African-Americans and went to school with them. Um, you know, I just this was an opportunity. I got a chance to make a relationship and make a bond w- with that community down there. And I mean, till this day, I still players that I still have. They still call me Rupert Whitehead, Tyrone Groom. They still talk to me. You know, when they have you know their children are born, they you know coach. Um, I just I thought it was it was a wonderful opportunity, and it, and it made me it made me you know understand the culture more. And um, even though I, you know, I grew up around it, just it's different being as a teacher coming in as an adult, and um, you know the trial and tribulations those those students and those parents go through, um, and what they're experiencing. I mean, it opened my eyes, you know, quite a bit. Yeah, what are some of the things you learned from that experience being a white teacher and coach at, at Jones High School, historically black Jones High School, uh, that maybe you know that you want, might want to share with our listeners that, that might help uh, the situation the country's got now. Well, I mean, because I was white, some of the I mean, some of the kids, you know, thought I was automatically prejudiced towards them, you know. And I'm like, but they gave them a chance to get to know me too, and uh, and then they saw, you know, that that that's not the case, you know. Uh, you know, it's just you know, bad apples out there make it hard for everybody, and um, I showed the kids that you know. I loved to respect them as if they were my own kids. My, I brought my, my kids were young at that age, and I brought them to lots of functions down there. I, you know, I wanted them to experience and be around all kinds of different people. And um, I mean, it, like I said, it was, it was. I think it was a very good opportunity for for both of us. Well, well Marcus, we're speaking right now with Marcus O'Dell. He's a long-time teacher and coach, high school teacher and coach. He's also a former teammate of Sammy Smith at Apopka High School and two of the greatest uh, Apopka Blue Rider football teams ever. Um, also a former track athlete at Apopka. I'll ask you, uh, kind of uh, adapt a question for you that I asked Sammy last week. And you asked Sammy, you as an African-American male, what would you, he say to you know, white, you know, middle-class white people that had never, you know, been in, uh, you know, associated with with african-american uh people you know we we, we all grew up in a pop it was uh, right. pretty much a totally multicultural community uh, when we were there uh, as part of our experience many white people <laughs> you know grow up in, in environments where they they don't come in contact with african-americans or or, or uh, people of other races what what would you uh marcus as a white guy say to other uh middle class white people that that have never you know, worked or played with african-americans before you need to create yourself opportunities to experience that experience that culture experience and embrace it you know learn the different perspectives um I, and i've got friends that they haven't you know that are you know my white friends that they have n- never experienced what i've got to experience and it's a shame i mean because they're missing out on life i mean because the world's made up of different people and 
And it, being a teacher and being where I've been at, and I've worked, it's, I call it the gambit. I've worked from wealthy schools, you know, influential schools, to poor schools, mixed, you know, you know, of course, Jones, you know, historically black school. Then I was at Lyman High School. They have a huge uh, Hispanic population. Uh, you know, I was fortunate that I got to experience a lot of different, a lot of different cultures. Oh, even at Jones, they have a, a very large Haitian population. That's, that's enough. I mean, it's just I got the, I got the zest of life. I got to experience a lot of good stuff. And I think you know, people that haven't, you need to, you need to try to make an opportunity for yourself to get to under, to get to know people, and get to know who they are, and. Um, it, and it may be a completely different perspective than what you have. Um, you need to be to respect it, but I think it will also make you a better person, and it will open your eyes to you know a lot about the world, how it is, you know, and you know how you can live together and enjoy it. Thank you, Marcus Hodel, for sharing your experiences and your perspective. We've got probably one. We're rapidly coming to unfortunately a close of the the show tonight, talking old school. Probably got one more question for the guys. Before we go back to them, though, I want to remind everybody we're coming to you. You're listening to Talking Old School. We're coming to you from the Lake House Bar and Grill in Mount Dora. And I want to give one more shout-out to our sponsors, our presenting sponsor, Christner's Prime Steak and Lobster, Apopka Moore and Equipment Repair, Florida Door Solutions, and Glenn Tatum Septic Service. And, um, well, Sammy, I'll just leave it up to you. Any, anything else you'd like to touch on uh, on this topic well, or, uh, or sports-related or, or, or whatever? I think I'd just like to close with, um, again, after just listening to Marcus, I'm always pondering and trying to digest uh, information. I, I would say, and I don't know exactly where the scripture is, but uh, the Word of God tells us that our, my people perish because of lack of knowledge. And I think that's what we are dealing with right now as a country is a lack of knowledge, a lack of dialogue with one another, um, you know, lack of knowing history of uh, each other's uh, uh, heritage. And, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of little uh, uh, quotes and little things that can irritate you and get up under your skin. I've had it happen to me. Um, I think at the end of the day, um, all communities need to be willing to, to listen, to engage in conversation, to engage in dialogue, to understand other people's uh, experience uh, in life. Uh, Caucasians should understand African Americans' experience and vice versa. Um, there was one thing that was said I saw on Facebook the other day, lifelong friends. They, they used the word our forefathers. And as an African American, you know, does that our forefathers include my forefathers when it comes to building these countries? Obviously, it doesn't. You know, we're not talking about African-American people. So uh, we just need to engage in that, man, engage in conversation, be willing to listen. Uh, and first and foremost, like I said earlier, be willing to love. Uh, obey that commandment. If we're Christians, man, we're supposed to love God, love him with all our heart, and then we're supposed to love our neighbor. Right? If we do that, then we'll be headed on the right track. Well, thank you, Sammy, for two great shows. I want to thank Curtis Barnes. Thank you, Curtis, for joining us. Thank you, Marcus O'Dell, for being here and joining us. My pleasure. And before we sign off, I want to give a shout-out to uh, Pete Paquette, our on-site engineer. Pete, thank you for all your hard work to make this show possible. And, of course, for Sharon Clark, who's Facebook-living us tonight, for all of her help with Talking Old School. Guys, hope you have a great night. Are you reeling in the Stowing away the time Are you gathering